Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen and today I'm talking about The Stolen Earth and Journey's End. We're up to the 2008 finale story and there is a lot to talk about in this one. Um, I love this story so much um, and yeah, let's dive right in with um talking about sort of the overall structure of the story so this started with my usual notes that i take during a talk two parter of, of wondering like you know why do we have a part one and a part two um and i mean this is really a two-parter because of the size of it but as i was kind of breaking down like what happens in episode one what happens in episode two the main thing that kind of struck me was that this story is a character piece like that that's why it's the two-parter because you've got you know you've got all of the companions returning and you've got a bunch of kind of character arcs to 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 find space for um there's not a massively convoluted plot you know the plot is basically the Daleks want to destroy the universe and are invading earth in order to do so it's not yeah it's not massively complex there's not you know multiple different dalek factions or or anything like that it's it's a fairly straightforward we've stolen the earth and we're invading it and we want to do this thing and you're gonna have to stop us what makes the story what gives the story its its kind of uh bulk of 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 what happens essentially is all of the characters and 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 their kind of reactions and there's even in the story there is um there is the kind of hanger lantern reference if you haven't heard that terminology before um to when a storyteller hangs a lantern, they're basically highlighting, uh, it might be a plot hole, it might be a floor, it might be a little bit of hand waviness, um, and they're saying, yes, we know, you know, they're, they're shedding light on it, but just go with it. So there's a hang a lantern reference in the story when the doctor says, someone tried to move the earth before, um, when he's with the Shadow Proclamation, which is referring to uh, the Dalek invasion of Earth, the nineteen sixty four story, and uh, and the movie. I saw the movie recently. They were they were showing uh, the remastered versions at our local cinema, and I don't remember the fact that the Daleks wanted to um, remove the magnetic core and dr- fly the Earth around, but. Um, I don't think I was really paying attention to the plot of that movie. I was paying attention to the, oh, it's lovely, 1960s Daleks. Anywho, point is, it's in some ways quite a straightforward plot. Um, but where this story sings and where it, you know, the things that make it so enjoyable to to watch at the time and to rewatch now is that this is the culmination of all of the Russell T Davies world building that he's been doing um because really the idea behind this story is the earth is stolen 
that obviously impacts everyone on earth and we now have a sizable number of friends of the doctor on earth who are all going to be looking at this situation and and going you know what can i do to help so this story starts from the thing of right how would all of these ex-companions of the doctor react to the earth being stolen and that's the story we get particularly in part one um it's there's a sort of interesting thing to imagine like you know all of the companions that we don't see in this episode all of the you know slightly older ones like maybe they've got their whole their own little network where they're trying to do stuff um interesting to think so looking at the um the two-part structure in a little bit more detail so part one is basically the Doctor and the companions trying to get back to one another. You have Donna and the Doctor, they jump into this what's going on mode straight away um, and they are trying to get back to the Earth and those the companions on the Earth are trying to get the Doctor there because they recognise that this is a problem that's probably too big for them to solve on their own. Um, and that, to me, makes part one feel more kind of satisfying than the kind of traditional investigate the mystery part one. Um, because it, you do actually in some ways get a little self-contained story. You get enough thread to keep you watching, but you have the self-contained story of will the Doctor and Donna find the Earth and will the companions on earth succeed in in calling the doctor there um which i yeah really like um one thing as well like going back to the fact that this story is, is very much about the characters i love that when the doctor and donna are you know trying to work out what's happening donna makes them both pause and says to the doctor no matter what's happening rose is coming back isn't that good and the doctor's smile there it's just so lovely um and you need that because really the doctor and donna can't do that much in this episode so it does help to have that sort of emotional resonance and 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 that kind of thing so that's part one Doctor and the companions trying to get back to one another. Then you have the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger is golden. Like, it it doesn't hit quite the same way, you know, re-watching it. But it's still good. Because... So even re-watching it when you know that the Doctor's not going to regenerate, the companions don't know that. You know, the characters in the story don't know that, so their reactions kind of make it. Um, particularly Rose, and I will dive into that reunion scene in a bit more depth later in the episode. Um, and you also have Dalek Khan going on about the 
everlasting death for the most faithful companion and the whole one of them will die sort of thing. Um, so you have, you know, a few bits of tension going into going into the episode. But yeah, living with that, oh my God, is it a regeneration? Is it a surprise regeneration thing for a week? That was amazing at the time. Because this was before David Tennant had announced he, he was leaving Doctor Who, of course, as well. Because um, that was in autumn 2008. Um, and it's interesting. So um, I know I've mentioned that um, 2008 series was about when I started keeping my quotes book. And as well as quotes, I, particularly for Doctor Who, I jotted down the odd bit of plot thing in and theories and stuff so I found my entry from uh, the stolen earth written like the week of uh when we were desperately theorizing what was going to happen in journey's end and I'd written down reasons the doctor can't regenerate bullet point one the specials I don't know why I had that as a reason looking back because obviously like I I don't I can't remember what information we had about the specials at that point but I assume we knew that David Tennant was going to be in them um I assume that's why 15 year old Helen wrote that down uh bullet point number two was that River Song recognized him which wrong information right answer <laughs> like yes the doctor's not going to regenerate but river song recognizing him isn't actually anything that feeds into it given that she does most of her stuff with uh, the 11th doctor although we do now know from the uh day of the doctor target novelization that the 10th doctor did have a few more adventures with river song um because that's covered in in there um so I put down the, those two reasons and then I was wondering about the how of it because I I think I was quite convinced that like yeah he's not going to regenerate so like how um and the theory I'd written down which is a good one was uh the TARDIS helps with the process and the doctor's hand is hooked up to the TARDIS, therefore it's his genetic material that's going to allow him to repair and not change. Which is 50% right. Um, but it doesn't matter that it was obvious to... or, or I mean, not obvious, but it doesn't matter that it was something that you could work out because it was, yeah, it was still thrilling. So yeah, cliffhanger, would I say it's the best cliffhanger ever? Maybe. Maybe. Um, ooh, that would be an interesting list to make, wouldn't it? Write down all the two-parters and their cliffhangers and rank them. I might do that. That might be quite fun. Anywho, on to part two. So part two is confronting the Daleks and also finding out the full kind of scope of their plan. But again, it ends up being more of a character piece um, because you have Davros analysing the Doctor 
and you also have the thing where you you see how the various companions plan to destroy the Daleks. So you have like the Warp Star and the Osterhagen Key. And uh, Davros obviously uses that to, to kind of look at, well, what impact does the Doctor have on those around him? So you very much, you keep that emotional core, which, I mean, if you think about Journey then, like, a lot of it is the Doctor and various companions stood around in Davros's vault talking to him. There's not a lot of um, actual incident um but it works it absolutely works having this um whole two-parter be this uh, extended character analysis you also have this character piece feeding into the actual resolution because the resolution of this episode is the dr donna finding a solution this idea that the doctor on his own can't do it the companions on their own can't do it we see you know both sides of those kind of fail you need the doctor and his companion combined you need you know the time lord and the human and that is extremely fitting in a story that's been all about the doctor and his companions oh i love this episode so much so because i love this episode so much um as i was going through it i um made a note of some of my favourite scenes as we went through it and I'm going to share those with you. So the first scene that is one of my favourites is the companion's reaction to the Dalek radio transmission in part one. Um, Firstly, it is a really good way of doing the monster reveal because we all knew the Daleks were going to be in it pretty sure we all knew about Davros as well um yeah I don't like that wasn't that wasn't a secret um so you know there's no shock for the audience there so turning it around and going yeah okay the audience know it's the Daleks but let's see Jack and Sarah Jane react to it being the Daleks, and Martha, of course, um, that just, yeah, is a really clever way of doing it. Um, and it hits hard as well. Like, um, particularly Jack and Sarah Jane's reaction, because Sarah Jane, it's obviously been a long time since she's seen the Daleks. Um, and Jack, I mean... The Daleks are the only are the only beings that have ever properly killed him. I suppose there, you know, that was the first time he died. Um, and it's needed that sense of scale because part way through the episode, everyone almost gives up. Um, just before Harriet. Uh, pulls them all together they all kind of um yeah they all kind of almost give up and without them all reacting to hearing the Daleks you'd 
you might wonder why that was. Um, yeah, it's great. And you kind of get a mini version of that scene again uh, when Davros appears later on, but that time with just Sarah Jane and the Doctor reacting because they're the only ones that know Davros. Um, yeah. So that's my first favourite scene. Second favourite scene, um, so it's at the, the start of episode two when the Doctor, Jack, Rose and Donna, the, they're in the TARDIS and the TARDIS has been taken to the Crucible and they know they need to go out and meet the Daleks and face the Daleks and they, they don't know what's going to happen. And you have the four of them kind of pause for a moment and like prepare to face the Daleks you have Rose and Jack sort of psyching themselves up you know going huh Daleks scary all of that and you have them all taking this moment to kind of to prepare for potential death like they don't know they're in a Doctor Who story. They they think there's a very good chance that they could be walking out to their death. They they think that. And that's not something we see very often. And it's just really well done here. And it, again, so much of this episode, of this story, things because of the performances because the actors are 100% inhabiting their characters and selling this. Um, so that's favourite scene number two. Uh, favourite scene number three is Flying Earth Back Home. And the music is, uh, the, mu- the music is a big part of it. But you also have the satisfaction of seeing the TARDIS being flown by multiple multiple pilots and the fact that you have all of these companions of the Doctors and characters that you've gotten to know really well over the last four years all in the same room together doing the same task. It's just so satisfying. So the two of those things combined, the music and that satisfaction, it just makes this scene have this, like, sheer, unadulterated joy. It's a great scene. And again, so I mentioned when I was talking about the um, structure of the story that it's not a very complex plot in some ways and it's not a very complex resolution but to have this thing of oh there's one planet left and we have to tow earth home and we have to have all of these characters working together towards that goal it really works given that the whole story has been about these characters reacting to the situation and 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 trying to get the doctor back to earth and 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 then trying to defeat the daleks um it just yeah great scene so those are my kind of top 3 favorite scenes this time around anyway uh 
I think it's one of those things that if I watched this story again in a few months, you might have three different favourite scenes. Okay, what am I going to talk about next? Um, I promise you I am going to talk more about the companions all being together. Uh, but before we get on to that, I want to revisit a couple of kind of themes that I've kind of discussed before. And the sort of... Um, <laughs> this is the miscellaneous section. I'm not going to lie to you. So the first thing is... Um, looking at the kind of the cost of the story in terms of like the impact it has on Earth and the, the sort of the human, the human cost of the Daleks invading. Because there's a lot of people that die in this episode. Um, there's a lot of people that die on screen and there's a lot of people that die that we don't hear about, you know, like when they're attacking all of the military bases and we it's just very heavily implied it's um it's a high cost and that's interesting because I remember when I was re-watching the 2007 series finale I said oh like from quite early on you know that stuff is going to get reversed at the end because you know the population of Earth gets decimated. Um, and here, you have maybe a similar sort of body count. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. There's a lot that we don't see about what the Daleks are doing, um, and it doesn't get reversed, which is interesting. Um. Yeah, it's quite a high cost, um, which means it's probably good that uh, Stephen Moffat ended up having this story be one of the ones that gets swallowed by the crack uh, post-2010, um, because, I mean, it sort, of, it sort of breaks the world in terms of, like, in terms of the fact that, like, everyone's seen aliens and also this massively traumatic global event kind of breaks the world if you um if, if you go too far down that route um on the same topic so thinking of when i was thinking of that comparing this story to the 2007 series finale it it makes sense that martha does actually consider the Osterhagen key as a solution, that she does consider this idea of maybe we need to sacrifice Earth. Because think about what she saw when the Master was in power, because she was going all around Earth. She saw humanity enslaved. She saw humanity, like, at its very lowest and surviving just about the Daleks invading has that same potential it has that same potential to you know absolutely ravage the population of earth so I can understand why Martha considered using the Osterhagen key because 
if this wasn't a Doctor Who story, if the Doctor couldn't save the day in the end, or I know Donna does, but bear with me, um, you know, if 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 it wasn't gonna, if if the Daleks weren't gonna be defeated, then yeah, maybe destroying the Earth wouldn't, you know would have seemed like a an acceptable option so i do understand why why martha was considering that so the other theme that we've seen before that i've chatted about quite a lot re-watching this series is um the doctor's anti-military stuff and the reason i mention it here uh because it's a bit more subtle is um I was wondering whether that's been sort of leading up to the part where he's at the Shadow Clock pro- Proclamation. They know they need to follow the bees, follow the Tandoka scale. And the Shadow Architect asked the Doctor to lead them into battle. And he refuses. I wondered if there was a link there. Um, now, I mean maybe like refusing to be a soldier again it, it, it i i talked whenever it was uh the doctor's daughter i think about the doctor's anti-military stuff sort of stemming from his trauma in the time war so yeah refusing to be a soldier is exactly the kind of thing he'd do um but it is also playing on the doctor's whole thing of like doing things himself um and and there is also as well that added element of the you know the man who stole a TARDIS and ran away from Gallifrey um so there's a few different things feeding into that um and of course this is the right choice here for the doctor to sort it himself um I get a feeling that we're gonna see future examples where going it alone isn't the best choice but none of them are jumping out for the time being now let's talk about the companion's return um i i promised (laughs) um so firstly it's really hard to understate just how exciting this was at the time um like seeing so i i think i watched the pilot for sarah jane but i didn't watch the full series i was 15 i was a little bit too old for it but not old enough to not care that i was watching a children's series um i got into sarah jane adventures uh a few series later about when rani joined i think um but i did watch torchwood I was obsessed with Torchwood, particularly Torchwood Series 2. Um, yeah, absolutely obsessed. So seeing those like characters from the spin-off in the main series and seeing them all interact with each other, it was absolutely thrilling at the time. And still kind of is, to be honest. Like, um, it, it's the kind of thing you want from a piece of fan fiction. You know, you want characters that don't always talk to each other um like working together um and 
this isn't just me misremembering or anything. It's absolutely backed up by the fact that most of the quotes that I recorded in 2008 were the companions interacting with each other. It was, yeah, genuinely thrilling. Um, and on a wider scale, like, and, and for now re-watching, like, this is a glimpse of the companion network that I always like to imagine. You have Martha calling Jack to see if he's heard from the Doctor. You have Rose searching out Donna's family and going and, and, and hanging out with them. And then finally, of course, Harriet getting them all together. And there is so much to love about that scene. Um... I think the only reason it didn't make it on my favourite scenes list is because it, it's actually quite a sizable chunk of the episode. It's not like a small scene. Um, but yeah, the highlights from that scene for me is like the fact that they all know Harriet. The um, Wilf's comments, you know, him saying, oh, yeah, I voted for her. Um, and then Sylvia going, no, you didn't. And uh, and, and Wilf uh, saying that stuff about the uh, about the webcam, like, great. Um, even, like, Rose's jealousy of Martha initially. That's, um, that's great. And just in general, just the overall sort of teamwork, once they get the idea of like, oh yeah, we can call the doctor, they all, you know, jump in on, oh yeah, what if we do this? And what if we do that? It's like, they're all, they're all sort of yes-anding each other. It's great. Um, I do want to talk about Harriet because there are some parallels with her return versus her original sort of character arc that I think are quite interesting. So she was obviously deposed because she fired on the sick rats, but that was essentially, she was scared that one day the doctor would no longer be there. So the choice she made, the, the solution she saw in 2005, 2006 was let's arm ourselves and fire on the aliens. But now she still has that same fear. You know, her working on the subwave network, it's part and parcel of that same one day the Doctor will no longer be, be there idea. But she's turned that fear to something more peaceful. Uh, which is this technology to call the doctor. Um, and I suppose there's probably um, an element of, you know, if that, that same technology could be used if the doctor couldn't be there. It could be used to rally all of the ex-companions. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really interesting parallel to have. And it... It has this, it, it allows there to be this sort of payoff of it being Harriet Jones that, that does that rather than, um, you know, having some random person or, you know, one of the unit captains or, you know, have it be a unit project. Uh, it, you know, Martha was working on that instead of the Indigo project or something. Um, having it be Harriet Jones 
it fits. Um, so yeah, I like that parallel. And you guys know how much I love Harriet Jones, so that that's that's the other good thing. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, this story hits all of the beats that we would want from having all of the companions together. Um, again, I'm just going to pick out a few particular highlights. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you have Rose being jealous of Martha on the call. The reason that kind of works for me is because in the next episode, you have Martha saying, oh my God, he found you to Rose. Which, yeah, it, it, that payoff sort of like makes it work. Um, as well as, you know, being a bit of a callback to the whole thing in school reunion of, of the Doctor not talking about Sarah to Rose. You have Rose seeing that actually the Doctor has talked about her to his subsequent companions, which is lovely. Um, you have, I've already talked about Davros recognising Sarah Jane. Again, that's a lovely, a lovely thing and something that you would expect to happen if you're thinking about the characters. You know, you would expect Davros to recognise an old companion of the Doctor. Um, I also love uh, Rose and Sarah Jane saying, oh, nice to see you again at the end while they're pushing a Dalek about. I love that. The fact that they haven't had a chance to say hello yet. They've, you know, been separated for most of the episode. Um, it's, yeah, lovely. And the main beat that we wanted this episode to hit at the time is the Doctor and Rose because all of the other companions returning, it's kind of like it it it's the garnish on the meal. The the meat of it is the Doctor and Rose because that's, you know, what has been hinted throughout the two thousand and eight series and what was kind of previewed in turn left. And that all culminates at the end of part one. We still have to wait an entire another episode in the why don't you ask her yourself scene which is just stunning actually like this is favorite scene number four to be quite frank um so it starts with you know the doctor asking donna you know plot questions and donna going I can't remember what she said to me in the parallel world and then just pausing and going, why don't you ask her yourself? And the Doctor turns, you have Rose's theme in the background, you have the two of them, Rose and the Doctor, running with all of their energy and then the Dalek slowly appearing. It's just such a great scene. Um, and then again... It, the story makes us wait a week back in 2008 for the Rose and Doctor hug that we were wanting. 
because you know you see them running together like running towards each other you can almost imagine that hug at the end and we have to wait a week for it um which i love it and then uh in the beginning of, of the second episode there you know you have rose explaining plot stuff and explaining the super high stakes all of the stars are going out stuff um, and she's explaining, you know, why she's there and goes, you know, we were making this canon uh, and so that I could come back. And the way that she said that, like, she's not even, she's, she's not even saying it like she's embarrassed of it. She's saying it like, uh, like it's an inside joke. And then both she and the doctor giggle. It's just stunning it yeah so good and then yeah so you have their reunion now let's talk about bad wolf bay scene the second um which it's not it's not as gut-wrenching as the first one in some ways because ostensibly it's a happy ending for Rose kind of I mean we're getting into the philosophical question of what makes a particular person a particular person which I'm not going to get into here but um it is a happy ending and the key thing for me is when Rose sort of takes control um, and you have her sort of, you see her kind of decide what she needs to ask the two doctors and you have that scene where she's standing there facing the camera and you have the one doctor on either side of her looking towards each other and she's decided that what, she needs to hear is she needs to hear the doctor finally say that he loves her and when she decides that it's like right I know what I need to make the choice of what I'm going to do here and oh it's lovely because she said it to the doctor the actual doctor um, well, oh, yeah, sorry, that's me Me again going, what makes a person a, a, a particular person? Uh, but, yeah, so she says it to the doctor and he says, does it need saying? It, it makes you want to yell at the screen in the best way because, yes, yes, of course it needs saying. Um... And then the human doctor, do we call him the human doctor? Doctor two, blue jacket doctor. Um, he does say it. And then the doctor and Donna walk away without saying goodbye, which I get, but also, come on, you've already had. Say goodbye. 
if you're if you're leaving someone just say goodbye um anywho yeah sorry we're getting into the emotional part of the episode talking about uh doctor and rose and 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 stuff so uh it's yeah i'd love to say i've structured it this way on purpose but i'm 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 not sure i have <laughs> um yeah because the next thing i want to talk about is donna's end which is again emotional and it still strikes that emotional chord like i found myself getting a little bit teary-eyed at the end of this uh, story um for me the thing that makes it like emotional is the moment where donna realizes what's happening when she realizes that she can't um can't you know keep all of the memories in there um and she realizes what the doctor is going to have going to have to do and tied up in that there's all this thing of like of all the companions there's an argument to be made for donna being the one who has changed the most I don't know how entirely convinced I am by my bold statement there, but there's certainly an argument that Donna, she's certainly changed dramatically. So, it's it's not just her going, I have to forget these amazing times. It's her going, I have to go back to this person that doesn't feel like me anymore, perhaps. And also, you know, I am not going to remember, I'm not going to remember, you know, A, that she was good and skilled and did all these amazing things, but also that she sort of found something that made life a bit more meaningful for her perhaps um it's yeah still emotional uh the other um the other bit that got me was after the doctors dropped Donna off back with her family and he's preparing to go and Wilf asked the doctor how he is and that got me because that's exactly what Donna would have done um going back to their first episode together the runaway bride when you know she spends a lot of the episode trying to get the doctor to tell her about rose and to talk about it and help him process that yeah it's exactly what donna would have done it's it's the kind of um a bleak end in some ways um which leads me on to sort of my next uh kind of thing it's like looking ahead to the specials and we know the 10th doctor only has you know five episodes left 
Um, but actually, this scene really feels like the beginning of the end for the Tenth Doctor, just in the amount that he's lost in this episode. Um, that kind of loneliness. It's, uh, it's interesting because I don't know if that was there on first watch. My, my gut instinct said no. Like, there's certainly a sense of, you know, the lonely doctor and loneliness and stuff. But I think me saying it feels like the beginning of the end for the tenth doctor, it, it, it's coming from my knowledge that I know that the end is coming. Um, yeah. The other um the other part of this story, going back a little bit now, um, the other part of this story that sort of possibly leads into the specials is uh Davros's speech to the doctor about those who sacrifice themselves in the doctor's name. I was wondering um whether that sort of sparks off what we see in the specials a little bit. Um I do and we'll have to see how this goes. I may be misremembering, but I do think there is an element sort of before the waters of Mars, certainly, where the Doctor is trying to minimise his impact on others, which then sort of turns around with the whole Time Lord Victorious thing, where that becomes him deciding to make this huge change and saying why shouldn't I try to stop this bad thing from happening um and I feel like prior to that there's, there's a sense of him trying to minimize his impact on other people um but I don't know to what extent that's me misremembering things um that is about all I wanted to talk about Thank you very much for listening. You've got a bit of a longer episode this time. Uh, two-parter finale, all of that. Um, I have an email address if anyone would like to get in contact. If you have any commentary, um, I'd love to hear from you. The email address is helentalkswho at gmail.com. Um, next time, I will be watching The Next Doctor. So, it's Christmas again, she says, in October. See ya. Hold on a second there. Um, I am taking a week's break. Uh, so I'll be back in about a week with the specials. I thought after series four was a good time to just take a little pause. Um, so see you next week. Bye.